0: So I'm going to say it again, Merry Christmas! Christmas. I got to tell you, this is the one service every year that we have everybody in here. We have the kids and everybody. And I actually like that, especially at this time of the year, because, you know, babies crying and everything else. Because let's face it, first Christmas, Jesus was crying too. I mean, I think some Christians get this sort of warped view that's like, well, because he was Jesus, he must have not cried. He was 100% human. He cried, you know. He was just like any other baby, you know. So they had, they had that stuff to deal with, and then they had even more because it smells really good in here. <laughs> Can you imagine that manger, that, that stall where all those animals and stuff were? That was not the most pleasant place to be. But Christmas came that night. I want to share with you just for a few moments tonight about the response of the shepherds to the angels' message. Because Sunday we talked about the messengers of God, the angels, coming and giving a message to the shepherds. And tonight I said we're going to just spend a few minutes looking at the response of the shepherds to that message. Because it's significant that God sent his angel to the shepherds for a couple reasons. One, I think the shepherds on that hillside just represent every man, every woman. In other words, nothing special about the shepherds. They, they're just ordinary people, right? It wasn't, they didn't have any necessary power or prestige in the world at that time. They were just representative of everyone and the Lord came for everyone. God so loves the world that he gave his one and only son, you see, so that's important. The second reason is because God knew what their response would be because God is looking for people who will respond to him. If God reveals himself to us in some way, God expects a response. I mean, take your own life. If you pour out your love to somebody and they never respond back, they never acknowledge it or all, not going to be very much of a relationship there, not, not a lot of love going back and forth. It's all one-sided. And God is just looking for people that as he pours out his love to us, especially through the coming of his son Jesus, that there will be those that are interested, those who are willing to respond because you think of even the first Christmas. Most of the people on earth missed the first Christmas. They didn't bother to go to Bethlehem and see and come and see what God had done, even if God made it known, you see. A few of the Magi came from the Middle East following the star. And a few of these shepherds on the hillside outside of Jerusalem and Bethlehem, they came to see, but most of the people didn't. And really the same thing is true today. How many people in our world, I'll just take our country, how many people in our country tomorrow are going to wake up and celebrate Christmas, but Christ has nothing to do with it? Well, they're missing, then, the whole reason for Christmas. If you leave Christ out of Christmas, then you can't really celebrate Christmas. I, I can remember the first Christmas that Jesus Christ became my personal Savior and how different Christmas was that, that it, was, it was just so different for me. It was just so much bigger and so much greater, and it had nothing to do with the presence underneath the tree. It had everything to do with the greatest gift Jeff Royce could ever receive or any human being could receive was now residing in my heart and life for all of eternity. And because I had Jesus, I realized I had the greatest gift I could ever have. Nothing or no one else would ever equal that. And I hope that there there are many of you, in fact, I hope all of you, will come to that realization sometime in your life before you go out into eternity. That Jesus Christ is the greatest gift you could ever unpack, unwrap. And if you've never unwrapped Jesus in your life, if you've never received him into your life and said yes to the gift of Jesus Christ, I hope you will tonight. So that tomorrow morning when you wake up and you begin to share the day with your family or friends and you begin to unwrap gifts, you realize I've already got the greatest gift I could ever have and that's the Lord Jesus Christ. So let's look for a few moments at the response of the shepherds. I want to share with you four things that sort of describe their response. The first one is that they were engaged. There was engagement here. Notice it says in Luke chapter 2, verse 15, when the angels left them and went back to heaven, because heaven is a real place, the shepherds said to one another, let's go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has taken place. They're engaged. They're like, well, let's not just sit here on our hands. Let's not just keep watching the sheep, even though that's what we do as shepherds. But if God has revealed that the Messiah is born and he has come and he's told us where he's born, Bethlehem, and that we're going to see him in in a feeding trough, that he's given us a way to find him, then we're going to go. We're going to go. And these words, let's go over, speak about an immediate response with a sense of urgency. There was no procrastination like, well, maybe next week. There was no, let's call a committee meeting of all the shepherds and see if this is what we should do. It was like, God has said, it's, let's go. They didn't sit on it. They weren't spectators. And God doesn't want us to be either. When God reveals himself to us and his love to us, he wants us to respond and be engaged, you see. And I love this about the shepherds. It wasn't just, well, one of you go. Let's let's choose a representative of all the shepherds, and you go, and then you come back and tell us. No, they were like telling, we all got to go. Nobody's going to miss this. We're all going to go. We're all going to be engaged, and we're going to go, and we're going to do this together. That's what's so special about being part of the church. Some people go, why should I go to church and be part of the church? Because God has something special for his people when we come together. Yes, can God move and deal with each of us individually and on our own and personally? Absolutely, But God also says in his word that he wants his people to come out and to come together to worship him and that he will have something special for his people both individually and as a community when we do it together. Let us go to Bethlehem. I'm hoping that this coming year more of us, both at the Oasis and just even around this East Valley of Phoenix, will be engaged in what God is doing. That we will be interested and we will say, I want to go and see what God is doing. And here's the thing, many times even as Christians, we're like, God, here's what I want to do. And then we try to spend all this time trying to convince God to get on board with our thing rather than letting God reveal to us, like he did to shepherds, what he's already doing or what he's getting ready to do and then jumping on board with God, you see. So the first thing I see here is they were engaged and God wants us to be engaged too. He does not want us to be spectators. He wants us to be active participants, to get up out of our seats, to get off of the hillside of watching the sheep, and to go. Where does God want you to go? And then we see earnestness. We see this in the next couple of verses. So they hurried off, verse 16, and located Mary and Joseph and found the baby lying in a manger. The words hurry off in the original speak about enthusiasm and eagerness and earnestness. And the word found speaks about seeking for something with diligent effort. I mean, it was yes, Bethlehem is not a big city, but Bethlehem was still several hundred people. And there were all these people packed in there because of the census that Caesar Augustus had taken out. So the city was literally, uh, the little town of Bethlehem was exploding with people. So it's not like the shepherds could just walk in in the very first place that they went to. It's like, "Oh, there's Jesus." And and God, unlike with the Magi, the wise men that came from the east, there wasn't a star or something to guide the shepherds. All the angel gave them was the right information to eventually find the child. You'll find this little baby, he'll be wrapped in strips of cloth, he'll be lying in a feeding trough made to feed animals. And so they had to go from house to house and from place to place, and they had to put forth some effort, and there was earnestness there. You know, God didn't supply this giant arrow that said, here's Jesus right here, you know. No. And so often it's like, you know, we, we say, oh, God, I want more of you, but do we really? Do we really want to put forth the effort and the diligent and the discipline that it takes to know more of God in our life. Because God wants to be found, but we again, we can't be disengaged. We can't be passive and just say, I'm going to sit back, God, and do nothing and just expect you to just dump everything into my life. God wants to see engagement and he wants to see earnestness. One of the worship songs that we sing here at the Oasis is, God, the more I seek you, the more I find you, and the more I find you, the more I love you. Well, that's pretty much the way it is. If you and I will put forth the effort to seek more after God and to go after him more, guess what? More of God is revealed to us. The Bible says, draw near to God and he will draw near to to you. You want more of God in your life? All you got to do is just show some effort, some earnestness, some diligence, some discipline, and God will begin to open up himself to you in ways you could never imagine. That's exactly the response of the shepherds. Then, expression. Verse 17, when they saw him. Can you imagine all these, you know, shepherds were a little rough and gruff, you know. I mean, they spent their time out on the hillside and stuff, so I'm sure they smelled too. Not that it really mattered because, you know, everything smelled in that place, you know. And they walk in and, you know, all of that. But when they saw Jesus, Lying there in that manger, the Bible says they related, they made known, they became a witness, and they went around telling everybody about this child. In fact, the Bible goes on to say, all who heard it were astonished. They were filled with awe and wonder at what the shepherds said. Not only do we see in the response of the shepherds' engagement and earnestness, we see expression They did not keep what they saw, what they heard, what God revealed to them. They did not keep it to themselves. They passed it on to others. They became a witness. And so often, we have the greatest truth that anybody could have as a Christian. We have the greatest message that anybody could ever have in our lives, and yet so often we keep it to ourselves. We keep our mouths shut, and that's exactly what the enemy, the devil, wants us to do is keep your mouth shut. Don't tell anybody about Jesus. Don't tell anybody that Jesus loves them. Don't talk about Jesus because, again, we live in a world where we understand we're going to probably face rejection and ridicule and all that kind of stuff, and I realize we've got to be wise in how we do that. And we certainly can't be obnoxious. And God doesn't want us to cram Jesus down anybody's throats because that just turns people off. That does not win people to Jesus. But what God does expect is for us to be sensitive to the opportunities we have to share God and to share our faith with those around us. And that when we have those, when we see somebody might be interested or when we see there might be an open door, that we take it and that we open up our mouths and maybe we then are given an opportunity of ministry that we were totally unexpected for let me share with you a personal one. And I I share this not to pat myself on the back because I will tell you that there have been many times in my life where I did not open up my mouth even though I felt the Lord leading me to open up my mouth. So please hear me say that first. But just two days ago, I was at a local coffee shop, like many of you know where you can find me, right? And I'll set the stage with this. That morning before I left, I usually always at least catch the local news and the national news just to see what are the headlines, what's the weather like that day, what's the traffic going to be like that I'm going to be facing before I come down. And that morning, the headline was that one of our soldiers had been killed by the Taliban in Afghanistan and that it was just being, that news was just being released. So that morning, I find myself at this coffee shop. I'm sitting there, as many of you know, and I've got my Bible open and I'm studying, and that's always something that draws people's interest, for good or for bad, right? I, I, I get a comment one way or the other. And I'm sitting there and I've got my Bible open, and I notice this young lady sitting to the table next to me. And I could tell that there was something heavy on her heart. And it was like God kept tugging at me, you need to pay attention to this girl, just don't let this opportunity pass by. So again, I felt weird. I, I didn't know the girl. I had never seen her before in my life. But then I looked over and these tears started to come down her cheeks. And I could tell that there was something really, really troubling her and bothering her. And I knew God said, Jeff, I want you to open up your mouth and I want you to engage with this girl. And if you, you know, some of you know, because we've talked about this before, because you're in the same boat sometimes. I'm like, but God, she's going to think I'm crazy. God, I don't really want to. This is uncomfortable. I know it is, Jeff, but you need to engage with this girl. So finally I said, okay, God, here it goes. Because I want to share this with you because I don't want you to think it's easy for me. It's, It's not easy. It pulls me out of my comfort zone to do it. But when God is leading you to engage with somebody, all I can tell you is, please do it because you're going to be blessed, and and God can use you to be a blessing to somebody else. So I turned to her, and I said, please excuse me. I said, I don't know what you're dealing with this morning. I don't even know your name, but God wants me to pray with you this morning. And I mean, it was just like I gave her permission, just like it just started flowing out of her. And she began to relate to me. She said, I don't know whether you've heard or not, but she said there was a soldier One of our soldiers killed in Afghanistan last night said, my brother led that mission. And that this was not only one of his fellow soldiers that was killed, this was a very good friend of my brother's. And I'm now, right now in the coffee shop, I'm texting with my brother who's in Afghanistan He has just found himself and his unit found a safe place where they could start to talk and were given permission by the military to come back and talk to their family members and let them know that they were okay. And I'm going, this is crazy, God. I just heard about this on the news and now I'm talking to the sister of this guy who led the battalion of these brave soldiers over there and this one has been killed. And so we just began to talk and interact and and pray, and it was just like an amazing opportunity. And I thought to myself, what I would have missed, what I would have missed had I not just opened up my mouth. And I think to myself, one of the reasons why God used the shepherds was because he knew that if he revealed this to them, they would not keep quiet that they would go around and share the wonderful news about what they had heard and that the Messiah has come and life has come through him. Folks, if there was somebody here who God gave you the ability to cure this terrible disease we call cancer in our world today, would you keep that to yourself or would you share it with everybody that you knew? You'd share it. And please, I'm not minimizing cancer. My own father died of that terrible disease. But what I am saying is, as terrible as cancer is and as wonderful as it would be to have an answer and a cure for cancer, folks, the greatest cure that's ever been offered to mankind is a cure for our sin. (laughs) And Jesus Christ came to cure that and be the remedy for our sin and to bring us into a right relationship with God. And that's not just something that lasts for our lifetime on earth. That's something that we can benefit from for all of eternity. And we have that answer, and we need to share that with the world today. We need to be that light. Finally, the shepherds not only were engaged and earnest and expressive They were worshipers. They left and returned to being shepherds on that hillside, exalting the Lord. Notice it says in verse 19 that Mary treasured up all these words, pondering in her heart what they might mean. But the shepherds, verse 20, returned glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen. Everything was just as it had been told to them. The words glorifying and praising speak about giving God fitting, appropriate worth and value. It means to sing and celebrate God. We just went through this past fall a 14-week series here at the Oasis on worship, and we learned that God is a singing God. Do you know it teaches in the Bible that God sings over us? In fact, Even on the night that Jesus Christ was betrayed and he had uh, celebrated the Last Supper with his disciples, do you know what the Bible says was the last thing they did before he went out and was arrested in the garden with Judas? They sang. They sang. God sings. And God desires his people to sing as well. And heaven is going to be a place of singing So I've told you before, and I tell you again, you better start singing. Because if you know the Lord and you're going to heaven, you're going to have to sing up there. And I know some of you go, well, but God didn't bless me with a good voice. It doesn't matter, as we said through our Heart of Worship series. God doesn't care about our voices. It's about our heart. And God just wants to find people whose hearts are so connected to him and so grateful to him for what he's done that it just pours out of us and flows. That's the shepherds. I got to be honest, I don't think they were the original barbershop quartet. (laughs) I have a feeling that all these shepherds that were singing and celebrating and praising God probably all weren't singing on, on tune, you know, in tune. But it didn't stop them because they were so full of gratitude to God for including them to be one of the witnesses, to actually be there on the day that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, came to this earth and was born. And they got to see it. And I think they spent the rest of their lives just going around telling you, we got to see Jesus when he was a little baby. We got to see, and we got to see this angel and then this heavenly army of angels. They just couldn't stop talking about it. Oh, that we who know the Lord Jesus as our Savior couldn't stop talking about the love and wonder of our God, that he is so amazing, so wonderful. He's done so many wonderful things. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing that we just would spend the rest of our life just praising and worshiping and celebrating and relating how great God is to everybody around that wants to hear about our God. That's the response of the shepherds. God is looking for that same response today, 2,000 years later, that as he reveals himself to us, he's simply looking for people who are willing to be engaged and earnest and expressive and willing to exalt him because he is worthy of our praise. Well, I talked with you a little bit tonight about sharing and, and, and giving light and being light. And that's part of our responsibility as Christians that because God has given us light through his son, Jesus Christ, we are to shine the light of Jesus everywhere that we go. We are to be a light. Jesus said, I'm the light of the world. And then he turned to his followers and said, now you are the light of the world. Go and be light. And so we end every year of our Christmas Eve service with our candles being lit as we sing, O Holy Night.